Welcome to Scavenger's Horde. We're a Star Wars podcast offering thoughts on whatever takes our fancy, be it the latest show on Disney+, Plus, or a weird Legends novelization you may have forgotten existed. If you're new here, let me introduce myself. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. This is episode 183, and it's 24th of June, 2022. Yeah, so it's funny, for the whole duration of Obi-Wan Kenobi, we've not been doing recommendations. We're going to stick to that. We're not going to do recommendations this time because we just want to focus on the show. But I do want to give people some advance warning that the plan, in a mystical, vague sense, is that after this episode, we're going to take a summer break, essentially. You know, so we've both got holidays, travel plans, etc. And yeah, be back definitely in September for and or discussion um, because, yeah, we're both very excited for that show. And essentially during that break, the hope is that I will be able to successfully move us from SoundCloud to Anchor. So essentially, you might find this podcast in a slightly different place the next time you listen to it after this episode. Um, And I would just say that if you're anxious about missing us, make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Scavengers Horde because we'll post any updates and progress reports there. But the hope is that would all be seamless, essentially, because obviously we're going to update all our feeds on places like iTunes and Stitcher and Google Podcasts, etc. So hopefully you won't notice a thing. It will all be like nothing has changed. But just in case, keep an eye on our Twitter, essentially. Yeah. Do you have any words of reassurance or concern, <laughs> as it may be, to add, Kirsty? I just hope it goes smoothly. And as you say, people barely notice. Yep. Exactly. So essentially, if I do it right, you won't notice and this whole morning would have been completely pointless. But I just wanted to do this as a precaution and yeah, maybe a way to build our follower account on Twitter. (laughs) I'm teasing. I do genuinely want to make sure people don't get lost in the rollover. So yeah, make sure you're following us on Twitter and Facebook if you like. I'll also post an update there. Oh, wow. Facebook. Yeah, we do have a Facebook presence. (laughs) It's a bit perfunctory at this point. It's definitely more about the Twitter, but you know, some people use Facebook still. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, true. Okay, yeah, so just to move on from that bit of housekeeping, let's talk about the Obi-Wan Kenobi finale. Um, so yeah, obviously this is going to be a full-on spoiler discussion from the very start. Um, but yeah, let's just start with some general thoughts, responses to it. What are your general feelings about this finale and how it wrapped up the show, Kirsty? Uh... I thought there were some really great moving moments. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm still a little mixed on the show in general, and I feel like that does carry through to an extent to the finale, but I do feel like it ended on a strong note. And there were just some really lovely things included that made me happy. And yeah. I do feel like it rounds off the themes and what they were going for with Obi-Wan and other characters' arcs in the series. I feel like they they stuck the landing in a way. So, yeah, good to see. No, I feel broadly similar. And I feel like, just to be clear, because there might be some criticisms in this review, my personal feeling is that this is my favourite of all the Disney Plus live-action shows by a considerable margin, you know. Um, and I say that as someone who really enjoyed The Mandalorian, and thought the early episodes of the book of boba fett were good and entertaining you know they had promise and then it didn't deliver but that's okay you know i don't expect perfection every time um but yeah i really loved a lot of what they were doing with kenobi and there were certain things that didn't work as well and certain things that felt a little bit rushed but i feel overall it was a really interesting story And it did the thing that I've been beating the drum for for ages when it comes to Star Wars storytelling and that it focused on character and emotion, which I feel like are in huge deficit in things like The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, you know, they're barely present. You know, I struggle to believe those characters have much of an inner life at all. And that's going too far. They obviously do to some extent. (laughs) I feel Din has a very inner life. I feel like it's almost too inner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like in inner life that you can see on the outside, <laughs> and you cannot see that with Din. I feel like they're going to get there. This is also what makes it hard to compare. This is obviously a limited yeah. series, as we were saying before we started recording. It's much more like a low key or a wonder series. Um, yeah. 
and Mando is still going. We don't know how many seasons that's going to end up running for. We don't know if there was a like a set finish or like a an end goal in mind when they started the series. It's also kind of been used to spin off of these other series in the part of the, like the Mando cinematic universe or TV universe, whatever you want to call it. So it is comparing apples and oranges in a way, but I think I'm with you in that uh, just like on like an instinctive immediate level like i would say that this is my favorite of the star wars live action series so far yeah i think it just reminded me of how much i love getting a main character where you just see so much of their face and they emote so much and you know obviously you see quite a lot of tem in the book of boba fett which i loved you know i love tem i think he's great but he also didn't get many like deeply emotional scenes i think it's safe to say in the book of boba fett because, you know, you see Ewan getting to cry and you see him smiling and being cheeky and being traumatised, you know, and it spans the whole spectrum of human emotion. And yeah, I just love that because Ewan McGregor is such a great actor, you know, and I think he did a great job in the prequel films. But again, just due to George's style and his favoured form of storytelling, you know, which was very formal and very mannered, I guess there wasn't much room for like raw emotion in the prequel films. There was in certain scenes, you know, like, you were my brother, Anakin. That's obviously highly emotional. But a lot of the time, it's more like wink, wink, nod, nod, you know, all a bit cheeky and stuff. Um, whereas here, yeah, I just felt like we got to the core of the character in a really exciting way. Um, I, I, I'm with you to an extent. I wish there had been more. Yeah. I know this is partly my fault, for just having an expectation not even going in because by the time they were marketing the series and like we were watching it i knew it wasn't what i'd hoped for um so i'm like yeah i've enjoyed it for what it is but i think when you have a an actor like ewan mcgregor you really could have gone a lot deeper and given us more of obi-wan's inner life and i feel like a lot has been left on the table um and that's just I guess that's just a conscious choice they've made. That's not the story they wanted to tell. They wanted to do something a bit more plot-driven. Um, I, I do think there's some interesting stuff going on with him and Anakin, and I do feel like that, obviously, especially by the end of this episode, feeds into his arc pretty explicitly. Um, I just... I'm always going to wish that there was a little bit more, but that's yeah. just me being greedy. <laughs> no, no, I would have been totally down, you know, if it had just more introspection, you know, to prepare for this series we both read the kenobi novel by john jackson miller but even that isn't from his perspective it's outsiders looking at him no no that's true but you do get sections in that book that are just about going into his dialogues with qui-gon right and they're delving a lot into his state of being and his inner life and i really love those parts i agree that you know it's not told from his perspective as such it was still a smaller story and I think initially I was perhaps hoping for something like that you know something more intimate and you know it's ironic because with like someone like the book of Boba Fett I was constantly whining about we just being on Tatooine but part of me does wonder what could have been done with a very small character focused story about Kenobi that was just on Tatooine you know where there was kind of no choice other than to just really square up and focus on him the whole time and you know, have him work through his issues and his traumas in less grandiose fashion, <laughs> I suppose. I don't know. It It's hard. So I did really like the show. It's just we were both saying before we started recording this episode that I think we both agree it would have worked better as a movie because it does have that level of scope and ambition, you know, in terms of visiting all these different planets involving this huge cast of characters you know, it's a hugely ambitious show and a really ambitious story. But I feel like it was almost trying to do too much when it maybe could have worked better if it was a bit more concise. I feel like it's ambitious in some ways and plays it incredibly safe in others. Mm. We'll elaborate on that. Well, I might, I might be quite a frustrating person to listen to on this because I haven't figured out exactly how I feel about it. It's all over the place. Because, and I've been reading a lot of other people's reactions and I find myself agreeing with people across the board somehow. Like, mm. I just feel like there was a bit of a missed opportunity here. I agree with people when they point out the parallels with The Last Jedi. Obviously, there are a lot of visual informatic echoes. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the risks that that story took with its characters, I don't think this has done it in the same way at all. I think it's kind of played out as we would have expected, largely. 
Yeah, and I feel like that's an inherent limitation of where the story is set, right? Because this is very much a story squarely in the middle between two different trilogies, and it's kind of gap-filling, you know? It's always obligated to hit certain beats and to try and dance around certain potential contradictions of stuff that we see in, like, A New Hope, for example, you know? So there's not that sense of things being wide open and there being all these possibilities, like there was with The Last Jedi, you know, because there's nothing after The Last Jedi, or at least there wasn't. <laughs> well, maybe there isn't if you want to ignore Tross. Um, but when The Last Jedi came out, there was nothing after that story, right? Mm. You know, so it really could just explode things in any direction it wished. And that was part of the excitement and the boldness of that story. Um, and yeah, I do feel like just by virtue of where it's set in the timeline, Obi-Wan was always going to be more limited than that. I'm not saying there weren't ways to be a bit more daring with the storytelling. I'm sure there were. But I also think, you know, there's certain limitations that come with the restrictions of the era. When you say it's ambitious, what kinds of ways are you talking about? I mean, just like as a production, you know, so in terms of like the size of the cast, the number of different locations you're dealing with, the emphasis on spectacle a lot of the time you know there's lots of grand set pieces like just the having vader involved in the show at all you know so i guess i just mean in terms of scale when i say ambitious i'm not talking about storytelling risks because i think that's a very different type of ambition right yeah it's also interesting to me to think about the fact that they hadn't decided until quite recently that vader was going to be a key part of the show oh okay where did you read that I thought it, I think it was part of that, was it Entertainment Weekly article that we sent to each other last week? I think it was the the interview or at least like the excerpts with Indira Varma where she was talking about Tala being a love interest. Oh, that bit, right. I did only read that part of that Oh, okay. Whole yeah, it was like so. a, almost a side note in that, but I had heard it being discussed elsewhere that like when they did the rewrites and adapted what was Hussein Amini's script into Joe Beat. Is it Joby Harold? Yeah. They elevated the tone to be, you know, less dark, more hopeful. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy's talked about that. And I'm guessing that that involved the inclusion of Leia too, but it's not been confirmed as far as I know. But it said something about um, them bringing Vader into it as well. Yeah. That kind of would make sense with suspicions I just have from other elements of the production. Like, you know, Natalie Holt did the music for the show, for example. And Kirsty and I have been discussing among ourselves how, you know, we absolutely love Natalie Holt's work on Loki. The score for that show is fantastic. You know, there's some really amazing themes and the title theme to Loki just absolutely rocks, you know. It's the sort of theme music I can like play back in my head at will, you know, it's just that cool. Whereas the music in the show, it was like fine, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. It was perfectly serviceable, but it was also just that, you know, it didn't have like a super elevated quality, you know, that I might want from like an original Star Wars score. And obviously she's super talented, you know, so I don't pin that on Natalie Holt herself. I just really strongly suspect that she had very little time in which to come up with something. And that would obviously, you know, limit what you can turn out at the end of the day right yeah i think there was like one moment where reva landed her ship and was like doing a little march maybe in episode three where the music stood out to me yeah that was about it unfortunately yeah it's a shame i i i'm i'm honestly i am mixed on the show like i mm. i will talk about the the parts that worked for me um and i i just i don't know i don't know what to make of it overall I think maybe yeah. I need a, a little time to kind of revisit it again in a few months when the hype's died down. I um, think that's fair. It would be much easier to like judge it on its own terms then because yeah, whenever there's a new Star Wars thing, there's always huge dialogue around it, right? Yeah. So, And I yeah. feel like there are just moments of um, frustration and confusion. I think what we talked about it last week with the intent of the the writing and like where certain characters go or or don't go in some cases with... Like that other Inquisitor guy, he just kind of disappears at some point. Like that plot line is sort of abandoned. Yeah, and... no, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd kind of forgotten about him actually. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> or like a character like Roken, who you know is is there is a presence throughout several episodes, like half of the se- series, right? Um, and then his 
his story kind of ends with Obi-Wan telling him he's a great leader. Well, that's very touching, but that wasn't a source of conflict or uncertainty for Roken. Mm. He never expressed like a... Maybe there was a cut conversation at some point where he was like expressing that he was uncertain about his qualities as a leader and his ability to help people with this path. But that never in the final cut seems to be a doubt for him. So... Maybe that's just for Obi-Wan's benefit. Maybe he's just expressing that he underestimated him. But I just feel like they, did, they didn't really um, make that quite clear. Things don't quite come together. I feel like this show is one of those cases where I think it even needed more episodes to ensure that everything got fleshed out more and all the characters had their own like satisfying, clearly defined arcs you know, and journeys. Or they needed to cut out several of the characters, you know, who weren't perhaps essential to the main plots they were telling, and then just really streamline things and make it a movie. You know, I think they could have gone in either direction, and I think either way, it could have potentially been like much improved. And I say that as someone who enjoyed it with reservations. Um, yeah, and I think that just goes back to what I was saying earlier about finding it so ambitious. So I feel like almost its ambition exceeded what they were able to do with the budget and the evident time limitations they had, you know, because the episodes, you know, they will come in well under an hour. And I'd imagine that's for like money reasons as well, right? Because every extra minute of footage you have on screen, that's probably hundreds of thousands of dollars involved in that. Um, And yeah, I, I just felt like the constraints a lot of the time when I was watching the show. Talking about the budget, I do have to wonder where the money goes. Oh, I don't win. think I'm it. Sure a lot of it. Well, <laughs> okay, but like these kind of series in general, like I just don't, I don't think it looks very good, and that's quite shocking for the for the budgets that they have. No, I'd agree with that. I feel like, yeah, it was very grey looking a lot of the time, especially that planet that Obi Wan and Vader had their big fight on. I feel like that's one of the most like drab-looking planets I've ever seen. Well, and that's probably by design. Like it fits it thematically, really, really, doesn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it doesn't make for a very visually interesting location. It's it's tricky. I'm sure yeah. of us feel differently. And I'll let you say we are being very critical right now. We'll get into the things that did work for us. Yeah. Um, you know, especially around the character of of Reaver, I just felt a a sense of relief. <laughs> oh God, yes. Um, so just as a silly segue where we can like hopefully focus a bit more on things we enjoyed about the episode I clapped at something in this episode Kirsty, and I screamed at something else I want you as a test of our friendship to guess what I clapped at and what I screamed at so can you guess I think you screamed at Qui-Gon correct yes I'm trying to think clapping at Baru. No, try no. again. It was a character who appeared, perhaps unexpectedly. Um, You'll roll your eyes when, when you find out who it is. Steel? No. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't unexpected. We knew Steel Saunders. Was no, I didn't know he was going to be in the finale in frame with Luke Skywalker. <laughs> no, 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 it's true, it's true. That was like the real mo- moment of glory. Um, It was Palpatine. Oh, sorry. Palpatine. Yeah, he does show up, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. We did know that though, didn't we? Didn't he drop a pretty heavy hint in an interview? He dropped a very heavy hint, yes. But, you know, it was the last episode. I'd kind of like forgotten that that was even a possibility. So then when he showed up being his like evil self, I was like, yes! Tell you what, I did like that exchange where uh, Anakin was like, Kenobi means nothing. I was like, oh, very Kylo, he means nothing to me. Yeah. No, no, that was great. And I, I did just love how Palpatine was just being so like manipulative. It was like halfway between prequel Palpatine and original trilogy Palpatine. Because, you know, I loved how he started out addressing Vader like, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Know? Like trying to be that sort of like kindly advising uncle figure again. And yeah, I just love how bloody evil that is. It's just so perfect, you know, how he tries to position himself as being on Anakin's side when he's anything but. Um, yeah, I just love Ian. I think he's wonderful. Yeah, it's a nice reminder. Well, not nice. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> reminder that Vader is truly alone at this point. Yeah. He has someone exactly. masquerading as a friend who he knows isn't really 
and you know Padme is gone he doesn't know about the twins um, his relationship with Obi-Wan is completely abandoned at this point like to the point where Obi-Wan literally walks away from him as he's yeah. like begging him to kill him basically it's yeah. yeah and they definitely frame that with how he's left in that final shot right with him just sat alone in the castle and Mustafa you know man in the lonely castle so and they finally like... use the imperial march they did they were holding it back teasing us this whole time then they got to it yeah I wonder if that marks Vader kind of entering a new era there it does like close the door on his relationship with Obi-Wan in a way yeah I do feel like they did a good job at selling the idea that this is a Vader He's in transition between, you know, that like hate-filled Anakin from the end of Revenge of the Sith and then just like the stone-cold icy enforcer from A New Hope. Yeah, you see so much like passion and like emotion still when there's that fight between Vader and Kenobi and Kenobi slashes the mask off. You can really, really see it's the same man in there. And yeah, it was. I thought that whole bit was really chilling. I really liked that fight. That part was done really well. The you know the blending of Hayden's voice with James L. Jones's. Oh, it was sinister, wasn't it? The way you could see his eye. I mean, obviously that is. It's pretty much lifted from the rebels' confrontation with Ahsoka, but yeah. um, still done really well. And um, yeah, I thought Hayden gave a fantastic performance of what he was able to do there. For sure. And of course, yeah. Ewan as well. I, I, I've seen some criticism around this where it kind of sets up for a new hope for obi-wan to say well vader killed your father but i don't think that that's a bad thing i think it worked well thematically in this episode to allow obi-wan to move forward and kind of forgive himself it's like you you are not at fault here yeah you know you're not the one who did this anakin did this exactly yeah and i i just felt like that was perhaps the best moment of acting for you in in the series you know, just seeing him go from that torment to just that feeling of complete relief. You know, he does accept that, no, this was Anakin's choice. You know, it wasn't something I did to push him to this. You know, he was the only one who had responsibility for his actions and the evil that he did. You know, obviously, there are, I'm not saying there are things that Obi-Wan couldn't have done differently. They clearly are. And I'm sure Obi-Wan is as aware of that as anyone else. But, you know, I feel like prior to this show Obi-Wan was really directly carrying the weight of Anakin's fall on his shoulders as Anakin's master and I think a big part of this show and a big part of its reason for existing almost is showing that process of forgiving himself for that you know and learning to accept you know a big part of that situation was completely beyond his control and he just has to let it go and move on and focus on doing what he can do now that he's in the position that he is in you know and finding hope again i really liked those aspects of the show yeah there's lots of conversations about the past and then moving into the future you know of all these different characters him and tala talk about it too and there's also obviously quite heavy themes of mercy and grace across yeah. these different dynamics and maybe i'll get some pushback for this and i know it's like a bit ambiguous but in a way i think anakin is showing a certain mercy to obi-wan by saying that to him yeah maybe it's meant to be menacing on some level because he just he followed up with and now i'm going to destroy you too <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he must know that this is what has been weighing on obi-wan so it's like just so you know i'm the one who killed anakin skywalker that was my achievement not yours yeah and um and then obviously of course when obi-wan sees reaver at the end too he shows her that level of grace yeah and she also shows it to herself and if yeah. she doesn't realize it to begin with she feels like she's failed by not killing luke right but i think beyond that you know obi-wan helps her like cut deep down and realize that you know like he was holding all this accountability and all this blame for something that he ultimately did not do you know Reva was kind of in the same position you know she was feeling responsible and guilty in carrying the weight of her friend's murder on her shoulders but you know obviously she was a helpless child in that situation so it's even more like extreme than Kenobi's situation in a lot of ways really because you know she was a total victim but she's felt herself to be culpable all these years you know and it's really like worn her down and made her feel like 
and made her feel utterly wretched. And then I just found that really beautiful that she was allowed to be free from that. You know, she was sort of released from that guilt through this episode. I really wanted to see more of that process, don't get me wrong. You know, and we get such great moments of acting from Moses in this episode, especially when she's just breaking down and is super emotional. I love that. I wanted more. But, God, it just felt so good to see Star Wars let a character be redeemed and live. You know, after they have done really, really bad things... It still understood, you know, the broken person underneath all that and found some hope in there for them. You know, I really love that because Star Wars has not been good at doing that in the past. You know, it's kind of like, oh shit, this person's done bad things, but we also want to redeem them. Kill them. And yeah, it didn't take the easy way out with Reva, and I really appreciated that. Yeah, I think what a lot of fans are appreciating about this series is the emphasis on healing and mm. like consciously choosing to break the cycle of violence which all of those characters do, and Reva and Obi-Wan, by protecting Luke and focusing on the future, Luke and Leia, it's like saying, and, and of course echoed in the way that Obi-Wan talks to Owen at the end, he says, you're right, like the boy needs to have his childhood, he needs to be a boy. He's talking about himself there, he's talking about Reva, he's talking about Anakin, and all of the sins of the Jedi Order and what needs to change going forward and the emphasis on the future. And it's pretty heavy handed in some ways when he's like, you're the future, he's saying to Leia. <laughs> Children <laughs> of the future. The future yeah, will take care of itself. Yeah, but that's being corny. Yeah, it's like, okay, Obi-Wan's clearly seen a new hope. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> and it's like, you could call this story how Obi-Wan found hope again. Yeah. That would be a terrible title. And it's very good they did not call it that. But that's basically what this story is, right? It's yeah. a story about Obi-Wan finding hope again. Because he does start in such an incredibly hopeless place. You know, watching this final episode, it made me want to go back and watch that first episode again. Because he is just so misanthropic, you know, and so cold in quite shocking ways you know to the extent that he just leaves that jedi to be murdered when that jedi comes to him for help and then the man that we see in this final episode is transformed essentially you know we see those really direct comparisons behind between how he acts now after he's been through the events of this show and how he acted at the beginning of the show before he'd gone through those things and i feel like that's a sign of a strong arc for the character you know because he really has been changed by what he experienced so yeah, yeah. i appreciate that even i was even surprised by the development that vader went through in some ways and you know, just in in terms of taking two different lines i am what you made me and you didn't kill anakin skywalker i did mm. yeah. you know you could see that as contradictory or you could see it as you know coming face to face with obi-wan again has kind of made vader come face to face with what he is and what yeah. his level of ownership over his own life has been because you know the Anakin that we see at the end of Revenge of the Sith is very much like playing the victim and like refusing to acknowledge the choices that he's making it's like yeah. well I, this is this is what I have to do if you're not with me you're against me and all that and now it's like Vader's kind of having to face up to it yeah but in a way I, f I wonder if Obi-Wan coming back into his life has given him a reason, it's, it's given him a sense of purpose in life in a way that he hadn't had before. He had been just like dead for 10 years. And of course that awakens again when he comes to face Luke in, in 10 years time. Yeah. Like it's related to this. I promise I'll make a case for how it's related <laughs> to what you've just said. But like I put out a tweet just before we did the podcast where I said, one of the things I love the most about the Obi-Wan finale is that it reinforces an aspect of Star Wars that's frequently misunderstood. Redemption is a choice you make, not a boon that's granted by someone else. No, I totally agree. I think that's a really frustrating thing that you often come across, that redemption is somehow like a validation of someone's former behaviour. It's not yeah. at all. It's a rejection of it, a rejection on that character's part. You know, when Reva chooses not to harm Luke... Yeah, and I think what we get with Vader, you know, when like the sh the mask is cracked, you know, and you see the face of Anakin underneath it, I think what you'll get in there is the inverse of what you get with Reva, right? So whereas Reva makes the choice, you know, to find like hope in herself, you know, and to accept that 
there is another way rather than just diving deeper and deeper into this darkness Vader he doubles down you know on the dark path for himself you know and he feels like yeah this is it I'm fully fully committing to this you know no way back for me and again he he didn't have to do that you know Obi-Wan's face was shining with tears you know he had compassion for him he cared for him you know but by making that choice in that moment he's reinforcing for Kenobi that Anakin is truly gone you know and that kind of releases Kenobi and I do love the ambiguity of not really understanding Vader's motive for that because I feel like you almost get a Jekyll and Hyde moment you know with the light flickering over the face you know and transforming from the blue light over to the red light it's not subtle <laughs> but again yeah, when is Star Wars I, subtle no I agree and I, I I think I like that kind of reading where I said before there is like a certain mercy in what he says to Obi-Wan there because I think that fits quite well with what him and Palpatine are talking about later on where he has to assure him that Kenobi means nothing to him yeah it's like he's not going to share with Palpatine what that exchange did but I think he did set Obi-Wan free exactly it was the greatest gift he really could have given him in the context of that encounter and I just loved seeing Kenobi be so bloody happy at the end it was so nice (laughs) you know just like all cheerful and smiling and Again, sure, I know he's been through some heavy stuff, but, you know, he's, like, finding meaning and purpose in life again. And, oh, my God, when Qui-Gon showed up. Yeah. I was so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't even love Qui-Gon in The Phantom Menace. He nailed it. He did. He's so He Obviously, it was only a few lines, but he was just seamlessly Qui-Gon. Yeah, exactly. And I just loved how sort of, like, casual and like undramatic it was you know it's like oh hello <laughs> you know and oh it was just perfect I loved it yeah. so it would have been easy to do it in a very pretentious way right you know with like very bombastic music I'm sure there was some bombastic music but oh yeah I just need to stop from being incoherent I loved it a lot it was I think it was a lovely sentiment as well that he he'd been there the whole time and it was Obi-Wan that had to go on the journey yeah exactly that yeah he wasn't in a state where he was ready to see him yet whereas now he is and And i think it's a nice suggestion as well that like if anakin went on a journey that like he would be in the same spot in a way that you know qui-gon would be open to talking to him too yes and because we know eventually anakin does become a force ghost so he gets to that place himself too it's just he's on a much longer road (laughs) yeah no exactly it will be a little while and yeah, when he shows up, he'll have the like nice end of the deal because he'll be like young, hot Hayden Christensen again. So I can't help but compare how this series rounds out with how the Skywalker saga as a whole ended, because mm. I feel like this is how you stick the landing in a, you know, as I said, didn't particularly take risks, but just like tied up the threads with that sense of hopefulness. I guess that's what Kathleen Kennedy was talking about. And in a way, it's probably easier to do because you have a new hope coming. But I just, I don't know, like you say, it was really nice to have it end with Kenobi in this place of peace and purpose. We know how things end for him in A New Hope. But um, I don't know, just like getting to the point where he does also trust Owen and Baru and like takes a step back. And because of that, Owen then rewards him with meeting Luke for the first time, which is really nice to kind of we don't get to see the interaction but it like leads into it and we've had him and Leia building this beautiful relationship over the series too and I've got to say this is just the way my mind works but I found it really funny that you know we spend so much time getting to know Leia and you know we learn all the little quirks about her character and her personality she's clearly like very erudite you know she like it's very sophisticated and intelligent was Luke we maybe get like two or three lines from him oh I think that's perfect for what the show is and it is it is perfect you know he's very much like just a normal little kid you know whereas Leia is a princess you know and she's obviously got a very very different type of life from Luke right there's nothing wrong with that I just found it funny because I'm weird so yeah is that because of like the fandom's perception of Luke as like the, the main character uh, yeah, I, I I think that's maybe part of it, you know, just the fact that Luke seems like very marginal here. So I think like the petty part of me kind of appreciated that. 
And I fully admit it's the petty part of me, okay? It's um not a good impulse. And to be clear, it's not a comment on the actors. Both actors did a very good job. The children playing Luke and Leia, respectively. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure what going in what to expect from a character like Baru because obviously in the original trilogy, she's she's very warm and empathetic and supportive of Luke. But here she's facing an, a completely different situation. Yeah. So she really does have to rally and she does. Um, yeah. But we don't we don't get that same. She doesn't have a chance to display that same kind of warmth. She's just so relieved that he's okay by the end. Yeah, I definitely could have done with more Baru. I think um, I'd hoped for her to have a direct exchange with Reva. I, I think it works well with Obi-Wan being the one to show Reva that grace because he's obviously he's privy to her story and yeah. he's kind of the one who can talk her through that and say like, now you can have any kind of future you want, you're free. But I, I think I just, I love Baru. I kind of wish that she'd had a chance to say something there. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I got the impression just from how it was filmed and the choices they made about who Ewan filmed with that maybe schedules didn't line up so that Baru's actress and Ewan could film together. I think the only scene they're in together is that shot when Reva brings back the unconscious Luke and then, you know, they're still never in the same frame. You know, there's like a very brief interaction where Baru says, um, oh, Ben, you know, look, something along those lines. There's never like a dialogue exchange between them. It's always Obi Wan oh, really? and Owen. Oh, that yeah. didn't occur to me. Yeah, I, I'm a weirdo. I notice things like that. Oh, I've okay. also watched it a few times. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's my thinking right now. That I believe that they didn't actually have them filming together for whatever reason. Um, and I'm sure that would just be a scheduling thing. I don't think there would be anything sinister there. But yeah, I just noted it. Hmm. Yeah, more Baru, please. How about the Baru spinoff? You know, they keep on doing. <laughs> character-based spin-offs now we know that Baru is clearly a badass lots of storytelling potential there she could set up like a mercenary business on Tatooine <laughs> or like a protection joint you know she could like follow the vibe of the Kenobi novel and like go around offering protection services but this time they'd be legitimate so, I like to think that yeah. she's not a badass she just rallies for Luke yeah no I could see that too like, and there is very much the emphasis on protecting the homestead, right? And being self-reliant, which, yeah, makes sense of the whole, like, homesteader vibe that they have going on. So, yeah, I'm just being a bit silly. I don't actually mean that. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if they did do a Aunt Baru spin-off, I would watch it. So, yeah. <laughs> what, what do I know? Um, but, yeah, no. So, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um Oh, what else is there? There's so much going on in this. There's a lot of big things that happen. Um, I'm really glad that we got to see little Leia return to her parents. And I really liked the scene where Obi-Wan reunites with them all at the end. I thought Brings back Lola. Yeah, brings back Lola. So, you know, he's... I know he never promised it, but you know he would have promised to bring Lola back if he'd known that Leia had given... Oh, it's so sweet that she gives him Lola secretly. Oh, it really is, because that's like preceded by like a line of dialogue about how, you know, how she helps Leia when she's afraid, right? Yeah, well, to, to the other people who were on the ship, she's like showing the other children Lola and she's yes, cheering them up. Right. And then yeah. he says, maybe I need to borrow her. And she looks at him and it's like, oh. And that is a total thing I could see a child doing, you know, after they hear something like that, they'd put that robot in the pocket of the person, yeah. you know, that was just so sweet and authentic and... Yeah, I just love that Kenobi and Leia relationship so much. And yeah, I'll say it, I really do love how it gives more meaning and intent behind why Ben Solo is called Ben. You know, I think that's really lovely. You know, it makes it much more meaningful. And I know that's like one of those stupid like fan debates, you know, about how, oh, it doesn't make any sense that Leia would call her son Ben. Like, it didn't necessarily have to be answered as a question. But I personally like that, you know, now that I have that in my internal backstory to that decision. It didn't have to at all. I mean, it easily could have been Luke or Han that suggested Ben as a name. It doesn't always have to be the mum who names their child. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But, but yeah, I think they've handled it really well in what they've chosen to do with it and deepen their relationship. And it just brings Leia more into the fold, you know, that's what Star Wars has always needed to do. Yeah, no, definitely, because... You know, people often complain about plot holes and things not fitting together. And, like, I still think that if you watch the original trilogy in isolation, it's very, very clear that Leia was only made Luke's sister in Return of the Jedi. You know, that connection 
was just non-existent before yeah that and if, if you can't bring her into the fold through her relationship with vader you can do it with obi-wan yeah so. exactly so i felt like they did that really well and yeah just like the dialogue you know where he's telling her about her parents and telling her that with so much like clarity and honesty within the limits of what's safe you know he's obviously not going to be like your father was anakin skywalker <laughs> you know so that's still like a bit too dangerous and yeah inflammatory territory i guess for her to know um but yeah i did like that so there's the earlier exchange you know where he's obviously very withholding about what he knows um and i liked that you know they've reached a point in their relationship where there can be that trust and honesty yeah i will say i wished for a moment at one point where there would seem like vader would sense her because he gets pretty close to her is it episode five when he walks into where they are on Jabeen and she's there obviously like in working on the circuits yeah like he could have sensed her or like thought that he'd sensed padme for a second or something yeah i would have really but liked that this is really just me complaining about my headcans not being fulfilled i'm aware of that so <laughs> yeah no, no they can't do though. everything and i think that's the sort of thing that i would have liked to have seen covered in an ideal world where the show had had more time right you know i feel like it felt quite rushed sometimes and i feel like that's the sort of like detail and nuance that could have been there if yeah it hadn't all been so rushed yeah so yeah in an ideal world but yeah we're not in that world so yeah now that obviously we've seen reavers end in would you want to see more from that character going forward or do you feel like it's best left alone to the imagination of the viewer i'm quite content with it being left alone i know it won't be yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, i feel like it's really nice how it leaves it so open and full of possibilities i can just imagine her out there doing all sorts of things to make things right for herself yeah um it, it, and you know it kind of reminds me of callus and in, in rebels that he just gets that opportunity to go and live his life and and make things right yeah no it's really hopeful again and part of me wonders you know with how much like optimism and hope this show ends on is if they were paying attention to some of the backlash to the rise of skywalker you know in terms of that just being the most bizarre note to end you know the whole saga on you know and just like such a downer ending in so many ways and they were like you mean with with ben dying yeah with ben dying just with the whole vibe in which that film ends you know i find it very emotionally flat it's very weird and again obviously yes ben dying is a part of it but it's not just that i just feel like deflated when i get to the end of the rise of skywalker you know and that's not where i think you should be left you know at the end of like a grand epic story like this so yeah part of me would like to think they were paying attention and they realized that they needed to focus more on yeah these hopeful endings to their stories but who knows yeah i feel like in a way you can kind of transfer the way that this series wraps itself up onto what you'd want the saga to end like just with that that feeling of things will be okay and work out <laughs> yeah exactly and i think that's what makes me feel inclined to be very forgiving towards the show overall because, yeah, it was a bit choppy along the way, you know, and there were certain things that definitely could have been done better. But I feel like if a show finishes on the right note and leaves me in, like, a really happy place, which this show did, I feel like that makes me a lot more forgiving and, yeah, feeling, like, happy thoughts. And, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. I think its heart is in the right place. For sure, yeah. yeah. It felt like a really good-hearted show. And, yeah, that also matters a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's gone a long way for a lot of people. Yeah, no, exactly. So yeah, I, I'm glad they made this show. I think, you know, like any piece of entertainment, it didn't necessarily have to be made. You know, it's not like it's changing the world just through its mere existence. But I feel like they told a new story about Obi-Wan that did take him on a journey, you know, and filled a gap that sure didn't necessarily have to be filled, but... I think, you know, when you look at this in relation to Revenge of the Sith and in relation to A New Hope, that character does make a lot of sense. You know, when you see it as a bridging story between those two saga elements. So, yeah, I appreciate it on that level. What do you think about them talking about doing a season two? <laughs> I feel like 
I would immediately veto any suggestion of Vader being involved in a season two. He can't be, can he? Yeah. Yeah, that would just be like utterly ridiculous at that point. You know, I would just completely roll my eyes. I feel like if they could tell a very small story, you know, of like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan on Tatooine, exploring the mystical, ethereal side of the Force. Yeah, it would have to be a different show in a way, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be completely different. And yeah, maybe if they did need to like get off Tatooine and have a more exciting, adventurous element to the show, they could incorporate Reva to some extent. You know, so we don't know how she left things with Kenobi, right? You know, we know that he ends by leaving her that optimistic, hopeful message. But I'm sure there's also, you know, a more mundane conversation about hey what are you gonna do now <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> like are they leaving that as allies like is there going to be this long like connection to them are they, are they do they have the ability to communicate with each other if they need to would she have a chance to warn him if something was coming or yeah that kind of thing yeah exactly so i feel like reva could very easily you know become an ally to the path and again i'm not saying it would be easy to ingratiate yourself to those people or win their trust you know after you've been persecuting them for quite a few years i assume but again that in itself is the story right you know tell that story like make a case for how she could win their trust you know and actually actively start doing good you know i think that could be really interesting and that's yeah the sort of post-redemption story i i know there's been some of that in the animated shows but in live action store but in live action star wars it's basically been non-existent Right, so I feel like it's uncharted territory, and I'd be really curious to see more of that. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm, I'm just out here thinking about all the things she could be going on to do. It's quite cool. Yeah, no, I love that. Just the sense of wide open possibilities. It's great. Um, and my little brain. What else was I going to say? Yeah, and I think if they were to do a follow up series like that, you know, involving Obi Wan and Reva, I think a big point I was harping on about last time is the dubious ethics, you know, of how Obi-Wan kind of sets Reva up in the previous episode, you know, by basically leaving her to Vader's mercy, you know, which is non-existent. Um, (laughs) Because he knows she doesn't stand a chance, you know, when fighting against Vader. And he kind of takes advantage of her anger and resentment towards him in order to help himself and help the people in the path. So, again, I understand why he does that, but I feel that represents like some morally iffy stuff so if i were him i would feel like i had something of an apology to make to her you know for letting her down like as a child in a way and also in that situation you know basically using her like that so yeah those are interesting conversations that there's no time for in this show but i think they were to do a follow-up hopefully they could touch more on that relationship yeah, I guess the justification for it is that he somehow knew where the story was going to go and knew she had to get to that low point to then <laughs> be yeah. forced into making the decision to protect Luke and not, not do any more harm. Yeah, because <laughs> thinking about it, actually, Kylo was also stabbed in the gut, wasn't he? And that like did wonders for <laughs> his redemptive potential. So, yeah, maybe that's just the medicine they will need, getting the lightsaber through the stomach. <laughs> Like Qui-Gon obviously didn't do anything because he was already very good. So it just made him like bloody godlike, which, yeah, he doesn't really need Susie Neeson, so he was already godlike. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to shut up. But yeah, so within certain parameters, yes, I would be interested in a follow-up series to this show, but I would definitely want it to be more small-scale and more focused because, yeah, I do feel like this show was ultimately a bit rushed and too ambitious for its own good in certain ways. <laughs> Yeah, I think if I'm saying yes to a season two, it's like, well, yes, if it's going to be closer to what I wanted from season one. <laughs> and just list some of the things that you wanted from season one, just so we'll oh, have that on not, record. Not like specific plot points, but just kind of what we were talking about in terms of like the feel of it being smaller, more self-contained, more of a, a character study um, on Tatooine just kind of with Ewan as the main character and very few other people. Yeah. Like, that's just kind of what I figured a Kenobi story would be way back when they first started talking about it. Right. Um, I, I don't need, like, specific things to happen. I just, I kind of wanted to see Ewan work his magic. And I think he does within what we get in the show. 
but there's just so much other stuff going on around him and and they do end up jumping through some of the hoops of what a typical Star Wars story does like episode 4 well they have to do the infiltration thing it's like okay sure (laughs) no for sure I feel like an easy way to solve quite a few of this show's problems would have just been to not have Leia be kidnapped at the end of episode 3 because she'd already been kidnapped we didn't need to see her be kidnapped again then you could just completely eliminate episode four and jump straight to the events of episode five. And then you would have so much more time for like character development and just to slow things down and to have more of those like really good dialogue heavy scenes that we really enjoyed so much. So yeah, I think there were ways around it, but again, I'm doing what I did last time in backseat writing, which doesn't help anyone. So, you know, I think maybe there are fans who were in a similar position to us where we like enjoyed what we got, but um, when you just think about what a Kenobi series could have been, it's hard not to like think. You know, w- with as great an actor as as Ewan is, yeah. I just I have a feeling that they could have gone deeper, and we get like these little glimpses of, you know, when he's talking about having a brother and remembering his parents and stuff. It's like God, I just wish I'd got more of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, when we get the Obi two Kenobi now, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I mean, he seems up for it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, true. We'll we could find out that the brother is a twin, and then he could also be played by Ewan McGregor, and then it would be like Fargo, the series, and <laughs> yeah, blow people's minds. <laughs> and I, I'm also just really relieved that in the end, you know, with episodes five and six, I do feel like it was worth them bringing Aiden back. I, get, I think that he gave a really strong performance, and I feel like he did add to the character of Anakin slash Vader. Yeah. No, for sure. It was really wonderful just to see that face underneath the mask in this episode. And yeah, Hayden brought so much like passion and feeling to it, which, yeah, I really loved. Yeah. All those like heightened operatic emotions are what Star Wars is fundamentally about for me. Yeah, I can't shake the feeling that I do feel like it would have been better executed as a movie. Yeah. Um, I just have, for some reason, I just have this slight barrier with these limited these series that they do are the marvel ones as well i just i think it is like it's better suited for the big screen i feel like this show especially just because of how it's structured i feel like even as a tv show it still has that classic movie structure you know in terms of the free act structure whereas something like the mandalorian i think mandalorian is intrinsically tv yeah right it's very they made that conscious choice yeah with the episodic you know adventure of the week thing but yeah. you know, Ewan was saying in his interviews, "Oh, it's kind of like a movie," and then we just split it up. Yeah, it's I can very see much what he like a movie. Yeah, I can see what he means. I just don't necessarily think it's a strength because it's like, well, in that case, why didn't you make the movie? <laughs> yes, I know that a few years back there was talk about an Obi Wan Kenobi movie. So part of me wonders if they had a script for that, and then that was sort of like cannibalized, you know, to make scripts. So yeah, I that's think it's too. it very likely comes down to just a very boring company decision that they were like well we're going to do disney plus so we need you to start focusing on tv series instead yeah exactly and i really really hope they eventually realize the folly of that so obviously you know they are going to keep on making tv for disney plus and that's fine i think you know to some extent we've enjoyed all the star wars tv they've put out right um Um, (laughs) to some extent (laughs) i had a caveat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Even with Book of Boba Fett, there were episodes we liked in that. I would have preferred a Boba Fett movie. I just sure. think they would have yeah, done yeah. a better job. I feel like it would have been tighter. They would have been a bit more merciless with like, well, this isn't working, so we'll cut this or we'll do something else instead. I just think, I don't know. I just think Star Wars works better as a movie series. Yeah, than, than and, and that was actually what I was building towards. So I feel, <laughs> no, don't worry, it's fine. So essentially, I feel like they're almost devaluing the brand by just focusing exclusively on TV, you know, because I feel like ultimately Star Wars should be for cinemas, you know, it should be a cinematic big screen experience. And, you know, and then when the movie's been in cinemas for a few months, sure, put it on Disney Plus, it's fine. But, you know, I feel like you have this added level of like mystique and prestige just by making something for the cinema and the big screen, right? There's just like magic to that that you can't replicate. And it's all, and it's also just it kind of it's its own marketing you know just being able to say that this is a theatrical film it immediately feels more like important and consequential than a tv show in my opinion admittedly i have the bias of i'm a huge huge movie nerd 
<laughs> so, you know, I'm coming from a certain position. But yeah, I do feel like it's a mistake to focus on TV to the exclusion of any film projects as they seem to be doing right now. Well, we'll see. I mean, things might shift after the Taika Waititi movie. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, I just hope it actually happens. Like, yeah, it all feels so like amorphous right now that I'll believe it when it starts filming. I know what you mean. I just, yeah, yeah I, it's hard to see things in the broad picture right now because we're very much in the era of the TV series. I mean, what we have and or and Mando season three coming yes, pretty soon. Um, and obviously Bad Batch again. Like, there's just there's such a focus on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. And I, I just, I do miss the movies. Same. Um, I am really optimistic for Andal, though. So I do feel like that, you know, it has a writer's room and stuff. So I feel like that's been very conscientiously written for TV in a way that Obi-Wan Kenobi wasn't. You know, like, I feel like this show was kind of like a wannabe movie even though it inherently wasn't a movie you know so yeah, yeah. i will say i think the things that tony gilroy is saying in interviews are encouraging that like he wants to make a tv sh- series that would be enjoyable for anyone whether they're a star wars fan or not because i do want you know this series has obviously been enjoyable to us because we're already attached to obi-wan and ewan in that in that role and like all the you know his his stuff with leia has extra meaning because we're already attached to those characters in their own right and then seeing them interact mean something to us yeah but like if this was your entry point how much would it mean to you yeah no, that's really true very little you definitely wouldn't be clapping at palpatine and screaming <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> you're like yes <laughs> i literally did kirsty it was very embarrassing i was alone in my room <laughs> we're star wars fans we can't help it yeah exactly no regrets i have no shame and it honestly felt awesome just seeing that wonderful evil face and hearing that wonderful evil voice so yeah yeah. i don't think there's anything wrong with with people like completely enjoying this series enjoying it for what it is you know seeing it as strengthening the movies that we already have i think there's just there's an annoying part of me that is always going to be like what if it was better yeah (laughs) and Again, you know, I feel like we're not doing it in like a, oh, it's all shit and garbage. No, it's not. It's not garbage. Yeah, yeah. No, no. We're not like tearing it down. You know, when we like express like, oh, we just wish this could have been done a bit differently. We're saying it like out of love, right? Because we really love these characters and these worlds. And we just see so much potential for style storytelling that we kind of can't help ourselves, you know. But yeah, wish for a little bit more sometimes. There are some really good moments and I just wish they were like held up by a show that felt strong across the board and I just think they maybe focused on some things to the diminishment of others. Like, and you know, maybe that's just like a realistic thing. They couldn't do everything. But, um, I don't know. I- I'm-, I'm used to this universe and galaxy looking great and feeling great and and lightsabers looking certain ways and the fights looking certain ways and I know that sounds limiting but I, I just mean like there's a certain standard that you come to expect and uh, maybe it's also like a pragmatic pandemic issue too you know that they were limited in what they were able to do within this time frame so yeah no I think that's true and I think you shouldn't feel bad for wanting a certain level of visual splendor from it so I do think it's like underrated how important you know visual that visual wow factor is you know it's not purely superficial you know people can think it's all just about having like the biggest budget and like the most impressive effects and sure that helps but you know you can be really really transported when there's a certain level of like care and imagination invested in the visuals and there were visuals in the show that I loved. You know, I really liked that city planet that we had in episode two. I thought it was probably the most interesting backdrop we had to the show. Um, but yeah, I, I just feel like, you know, I want Star Wars to be beautiful again. <laughs> um, because, yeah, beautiful Star Wars is wonderful Star Wars. Like that fight between Rey and Kylo in the snow in Force Awakens. It's like, mwah, just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. More of that, please. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's probably a decent note to end things on. Do you have anything to add, Kirsty? Um, I don't think so, but I, I do plan on watching Star Wars again now. Ah, nice. Yeah, I do feel like that'll be a really fun 
thing to watch again to be honest i'm sure everyone's um, doing it yeah <laughs> definitely tweet thing. out your thoughts you know on like how you perceive the alec guinness performance now you know and obviously it's kind of silly because obviously alec guinness had no idea <laughs> this was going he on. would have resented all of this yeah he would have been like absolutely not but yeah if you suspend that knowledge and just take it all as one story yeah let us know what you think and yeah i i, I would like to do the same actually so if i do i'll tweet about it uh, so yeah, I'm Rachel and you can find me on Twitter at Rachel1918. I'm Kirsty and you can find both of us on Twitter at Scavengers Horde. Until next time, bye. Bye.